In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> well, we've been working through the Book of Romans and the lectionary readings this summer. And so the last three weeks we looked at Romans chapter 8. And Romans chapter 8 is the chapter I argued that you should bookmark. It's the chapter that you will want to return to over and over again in your life. It's a chapter that's full of the promises of God. God's promises to you that you are his child and that nothing will separate you from his love. And salvation itself is to place our faith into these words of promise. For the promises themselves rest on what Christ has done for you. And now in Romans chapter 9, which we get this morning, St. Paul anticipates an objection from his original audience. So in Romans 8, St. Paul has just argued that there is nothing in all of creation that can separate us from the love of God in Christ. But, and this is the argument that he anticipates, but what about the people of Israel? The, the book of Romans that we're getting here was originally written to Jews and Gentiles alike who shared a church together in the city of Rome. And so there are Jews and Gentiles both in the audience that Paul's originally writing to. And so this is the anticipation. What about those people who by virtue of being Jewish have the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship and the promises? Have these children of God been separated from the love of God? And if so, are God's promises really trustworthy? Can God's word fail? Did God's word fail the Jewish people? And that's the heart of the objection that Paul anticipates. Are God's promises trustworthy? Can you count on all these wonderful things that we just heard in Romans chapter 8? In one sense, it's like asking if currency is trustworthy. Can you take your American dollars to the store and expect that the cashier will exchange that money for eggs, milk, and bread? Well, yes, for now you can because the American government backs and upholds the value of your dollars. But if the American government and the banks that it insures were to fail, your dollars would become worthless. There would no longer be a system backing your money's value. The grocery store clerk might realize that their eggs, milk, and bread are more stable and valuable than the paper that the money is printed on. It was even in the news this week that Fitch credit ratings lowered the U.S. government's credit rating from AAA to AA+, stating that in some respects there is reason to have less faith in the government's ability to secure the dollar. In other words, for money to retain its value, the government has to responsibly show it can protect the money's value. And so I know that's a simple way to talk about a complex subject, but it's the same basic idea that Paul is getting at in Romans 9. Can we trust the value of God's promises if Israel itself is not saved? If God doesn't back the value of being an Israelite, can we trust that he backs the value of being called a Christian? If God isn't saving all of Israel, should his credit rating be lowered? And so Paul first in our reading acknowledges the sadness of the situation. He says even that he wishes that he could be accursed so that his fellow Israelites would be saved. And this is what we've just heard this morning in our reading from Romans 9. Paul is anguished because he sees that those who share his ancestry, those who are his brethren according to the flesh, 
are rejecting the gospel of Christ. And Paul acknowledges that this is a terribly sad thing. Christ, who is the fulfillment of all the things God has given to the Jewish people, the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, the promises, were being rejected by a great many Israelites. In verse 6 of Romans 9, which our lectionary doesn't give us, unfortunately, Paul makes an important claim. He writes, It is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all Israelites truly belong to Israel, and not all of Abraham's children are his true descendants. And you can hear the claim that he's making. He is saying DNA does not make you a child of God. Just because an Israelite might be able to trace their genealogy back to Abraham does not mean that they are saved by the gospel. This echoes what we find in the gospels too. John the Baptist preaches to the Jewish people, God is able to raise up descendants of Abraham out of these rocks. And Jesus, in the Gospel of John, tells the Pharisees who challenged him, you are not the children of Abraham, but the children of the devil. And they're all saying the same thing. One is not saved because of their race or ancestry. And so in Romans 9, 8, Paul writes, this means that it's not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise who are counted as descendants. In other words, the, the true descendants of Abraham aren't made just because they are on a family tree, but they're made descendants of Abraham because they trust in God's promise. And God's promises are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so now the true children of Abraham are those who put their faith in Christ. Therefore, for Paul, the fact that many people of Israel reject Christ doesn't mean that God has failed. Instead, he says, it has always been the case that the ones who are saved are the ones who put their trust in God's saving word. They were never saved by just being Jewish. They were never saved by just doing the law. Instead, people were always saved by trusting in the word of promise from God. This is the promise that they would be blessed and not cursed, the promise that their sins would be forgiven. That's the saving message, and that's been the saving message from the first day. And this is the message that in the Old Testament pointed forward to Christ, and it's the message that we now preach and stand on that points back to Christ. But this is always the gospel that has saved sinners. And so God's promises have not failed. His word has not failed. Those who trust in Christ, those who trust in God's promises are saved. But in Romans 9, there is a warning for us against pride because it challenges us to ask, where do we place our confidence? What do we trust to save us? Because Paul makes it clear that you cannot trust your DNA to save you. You don't get to appeal to the faith of your parents, the faith of your grandparents or ancestors. And it's very likely that your parents and grandparents were great faithful Christians and indeed, to them belong the adoption, the worship, the glory, and the promises. But they can't save you. Your last name doesn't save you. Your nationality doesn't save you. The color of your skin doesn't save you. And nor do you get to appeal to all of the external labels that you claim. You don't get to appeal to the fact that you're a member of a Lutheran church. Indeed, as Lutherans, we have a great inheritance. 
And of course, there are always jokes about that inheritance. Lutherans like to drink their coffee, they drink too much beer, they sit in the back row, they can't sing contemporary songs, they eat too much sauerkraut, whatever. But that's not our, that's not our heritage as Lutherans. Our heritage is the preaching of the gospel, that we're justified by faith alone. And it's a great heritage. It's great to sing a mighty fortress. It's great to celebrate the Reformation in October and so on. But none of that saves you. You're not saved because you're a Lutheran. You're not saved because your name is on church rolls. You're not saved by coming to church. You're not saved by being a good, decent person. What saves you? Well, nothing but trusting in the promises of God found in Jesus Christ. That's it. And that's what St. Paul would have us take from Romans chapter 9. Your confidence, your boasting, your trust must be in Christ and nothing else. Because only Christ can save you. Only Christ can satisfy your soul. Only Christ satisfies body and spirit, as we read in the feeding of the 5,000. And it is Christ himself who guarantees God's promises to you. We talked about how the American government backs the value of our currency. Well, what backs the value of God's promises to you is Jesus Christ. He became flesh for you, he died for you, and he was raised from the dead for you. And that's how we know that God will never go back on his promises to you. That's how we know that God's promises will not lose their value. God's promises are based on the person of Jesus Christ, and they're given to you in Christ. God will not go back on them because he is not going to go back on his very own son. He's not going to go back on his very own word. And so then we put our confidence in Christ alone, because he will not fail us. Amen.